podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello. So I said last week that we were glad to watch that one fade into our rearview mirror. Well, to extend that metaphor, we're accelerating away from Game Week 7 at top speed as we head into the international break, perhaps breathing a sigh of relief after the disaster many had just now. We are Who Got the Assist? I'm Tom. You can find me on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. My co-host is Anthony at FPL Stag. Our lead code is 2YP43T. And we're also on video. It will never replace the audio, but just so you know it's there in case you want to watch us unedited, search us on YouTube to find us. And we're very excited today. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see one hell of a beard uh, to be joined by the living legend that is Abdul Rechman, aka FPL Salah tonight. You're right, mate. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Tom. Uh, thanks for having me on. Been a long time listener. So yeah, I was glad to finally get the call up. <laughs> Absolutely, absolute pleasure to have you on. And of course, um, given that this pod is pretty simple, we're going to be responding to the rain wildcards that are being dropped. And Abdul, you're, you're an important component of that, given that uh, Tom and I have pulled the trigger long ago. So you're our wildcarder in chief here for this particular episode, which is great to have. Um, so yeah, we're going to be obviously keying into that particular question and dealing with who our top transfer targets would be if we were on a wildcard or if we're on a wildcard in Abdul's case. And we're also going to look into the correspondence section we have one question there but we're actually short on correspondence soaks so who got the assist at gmail.com your correspondence will potentially be in the next episode not next week but in two weeks time uh, because we are short on correspondence at the moment so we'd appreciate that and towards the end of this podcast we will have the listeners questions as per usual however we are going to start off with the game week reviews from one of the most interesting and frustrating game weeks that has ever been yeah, and we start off with Abdul, you're the guest. You're the top scorer this week and your season's going pretty well, isn't it, before we get into your game week? Yeah, I'm ranked at like, it's about 60k now. Um, so I've had um, another good start. I had a good start last season as well. Had an even better start this season. It was a weird game week, this one, because um, it started off with Ronaldo getting benched. I just thought that's it. You know, Red Arrow confirmed, but, you know, um, Sun and, uh, you know, double Brighton defence kind of kind of pulled me through. So yeah, I got 52 points. I mean, I had two free transfers and uh, I bought in Son and Rudiger. And um, obviously, you know, Son, 10-pointer and then double Brighton defence. Obviously, I was expecting the Chelsea clean sheet, but I didn't get it. But can't complain with that score this week. It's, it's funny because looking at your team, it could have been even more. You've White on the bench and you've Livermento on the bench as well. Uh, yeah. it's, like, it's funny. It's like very few people have come out of this game week with a case of what might have been in, in the case of their bench, perhaps. But yeah, you've uh, you really accumulated a good score there. I guess if we yeah. flick on to my team, which would be the next one, we kind of see that I was uh, short in points all over the place and ended up with 44. In fairness, I did end up benching Livramento and he would have certainly been a helpful addition to get me an extra two points uh, mm-hmm. in my side. I had two free transfers, something that was discussed in the last podcast. In the end, what I opted to do was sell Jota and bring in Saka, three points, and to sell Soufal, who didn't have a particularly good game, so at least uh, bringing Rudiger for two points um, wasn't a particularly bad result. Now, there's, there's two cases of what might have been here. Uh, with Rudiger, I did strongly, strongly consider Aspidiqueta, actually having been quite strongly convinced by Tom on the last podcast. But I just couldn't, I could, but I couldn't justify spending that extra 0.3 because I reckoned it was going to cost me further down the line um, with transfer planning when I do eventually, quite soon, I suspect, move away from the premium. Uh, so I was being careful on that. And so I went for Rudiger. But 
you know, the argument here is that why didn't I go for someone cheaper than Saka then? You know, I could have saved an awful lot more money then. And who would have been the temptation but Tom's man in Buemo? And uh, I missed, you know, this. so there's, there's two strong cases of what might have been there. But uh, in the end, I went for Saka. He had good fixtures coming up and I kind of, I always like him. He always has, he tends to have good underlying data. Arsenal's data isn't um, particularly consistently good, but I just like Saka. And, you know, if you look on the, on the eye test alone, he's just so involved, as you say. Uh, I'm temp- I was tempted to buy him. I had the Ronaldo captaincy. I just I didn't happen to be awake actually uh, at the deadline on Saturday, so I missed the um, whole entire Ferrari with what 10, 15 minutes to the deadline. And so I ended up captaining him. That didn't work out, of course. But in the end, because Lukaku blanked as well, it wasn't going to hurt. Salah thirteen, uh, White's seven, and Sanchez's six. Kind of basically making up the most of my forty-four. Otherwise pretty disappointing but still a green arrow a very small one so about 50k up so 720k or so now so Abdul 51 points uh, Anthony 44 and I am 47 but a minus four so a tiny red for me I think I was 10k red something like that I was just one point off my safety score and um, the big success this week was contrasting fortunes of Anthony so I had two free transfers and uh, I removed Shaw and Jota for three points uh, and I brought in Azpilicueta and Embuemo uh, for 18 points so a 15 point plus swing which is very pleasing the annoying thing is that those were pretty much the only returns in my team, apart from Mo Salah, who everybody else owns. And uh, the last-minute Wissa goal for Brentford lost me one bonus for Mbemo, which pretty much cost me a little green arrow, which, again, uh, one of those little things, those fine margins, I guess, in the game week. Um, but I've been banging on about Dave, Espelicueta, and Mbemo for the last few pods, so I'm pretty pleased with the outcome there. It's always nice when the two things sort of align, you know. Oh, yeah, I fancy this guy as one thing, but actually kind of translating words into actions is another, and I'm glad that kind of all happened. So I was planning on leaving it at that. You know, I have Ronaldo caps and like these guys, um, but it's actually took a last minute minus four to bring in Lukaku, which is very uncharacteristic of me. I did it at 10.58 a.m. on Saturday morning. Um, and the context was basically is that I fancied it all week. And you know, last pod I was saying, you know, um, I've got the risk appetite to do it, yada, yada, yada. And um, on Saturday morning, unlike Anthony, I was awake. I was uh, on Twitter. I know I shouldn't be. And I was basically on the lookout for news about Ronaldo. And a couple of United sources from Blue Ticks basically were implying that someone was benched. And I basically used that to feed my bias and take a hit on Ron. So I was saying on Friday night, nah, it's not 50-50 anymore. I'm fine. No, I'm not going to make the hit because I don't have to because it doesn't, it doesn't fall in line with objectives. But on Saturday morning, it did suddenly fall in line with objectives. So I thought, yeah, you know what? It is a 50-50. So I'm going to take the hit and get Ron in. Obviously, I was feeling very, very glad after Ronaldo was benched, got one pointer. Afterwards, I... You know, it was kind of like, oh, you know, I've got all the hope in the world. But then Kaku, the biggest underperformer this week in terms of uh, XGI, hopefully a sign good things are coming. But unfortunately, didn't quite come this week. That miss that Chilwell eventually scored still... It's going to be nightmares the last three nights. <laughs> but I guess I bought a transfer for the cost of two points, effectively, because I was going to bring him in in game week nine anyway. So, meh, whatever. 10k drop it's always a bit of a strange one when your transfers in have defined how well your week is done but the players who are left in your team haven't been able to do things and things like you know having Guaitar over Sanchez for example and my little things like that haven't really worked out for me I had 10 men as well by the way because I had Christensen um, and I had Williams neither of them played so I only had two defenders really annoying Still, like, fair play with those transfers because they really did work out. <laughs> it's, it's, sorry, that's like, I'm really the envy of me for sure this week because, you know, that was uh, that was a pretty big green arrow for me if I'd decided to do it, move that way instead of the way I did. And I know I woulda, coulda, shoulda as an easy yeah. thing to get into, but mm, that, was, that, was, that was very much on the table. Yeah, shame about the rest of the day. Right, objectives time. Anthony, how did you do this week? 
Uh, fine, I didn't eat captain with the herd slash algos. Uh, Ronaldo was right up there. Didn't work out, obviously, but didn't work out for the Lukaku folks either, even though they were very, very unlucky. And I was thanking my lucky stars on that particular one. Um, don't be afraid to transfer out elite players if they've dropped off. Arguably, I might be getting to that point now, but up to now, I didn't feel like I was at that. Don't make transfers late, late, late on a Friday night or a Saturday morning. I certainly didn't make them on a Saturday morning because I was still asleep. And on Friday, I made them around 10 o'clock at night, but I even texted like into the Slack chat to Tom to expressly say, this is not a late transfer. It has been considered. I have not, I'm not out. I'm not at anything. This is just thought through. So I did not break that. And play style, max 10 hits total. I still haven't taken a hit this year. Somehow, somehow I haven't taken Jeez. a hit. So uh, yeah, that's me. Fair play. Um, so on target, for me, similarly on target. In fact, I've um, managed to put a green tick after one of my objectives as well. So captaincy, I did captain Lukaku in the end. I was going to leave it on Ronaldo and just kind of present this as a, you know, a minus four. I didn't want to take if I'd have left it that way. But no, I did bring in Lukaku, who was top for the top of the list. So fair play to me. Um, transfers and fifth situation, take a hit. I did. So yeah, big tick for me. Third one, take a chance on form by bandwagoning players wherever possible. Well, I've kind of gone the other other way with my transfers this week and I've kind of bought ahead of the curve with Aspilicueta and, and Buemo, hopefully. Um, but it didn't, that one hasn't quite been addressed yet. Um, but yeah, no, broadly, it's, it feels like neither of us have managed to quite yet break either of our objectives, which, which is good, which is good. Um, you know, we're on for a raise at the end of this uh, calendar year. And Abdul, um, I mean, we've been doing these objectives all season to try to keep us, you know, as you've probably heard, in some sort of sense of accountability um, to ourselves at the start of the season, how we mean to go on. And um, uh, broadly, we've been checking in um, every week on this. I mean, do you have any kind of objectives you set yourself this season or just in general because obviously you've got a great record I mean generally like I always kind of aim for a, a top 1k but um, I mean I know it's, it's highly likely that you know I'm going to get it but I have that kind of objective there and I just think that the way I kind of start the season is like you probably heard this before like loads of times that I try not to take you know many risks especially at the start yeah. of the season when it comes to captains you know picking um, you know like the you know the, the obvious picks and not kind of differentiate on that and uh, you know kind of uh, just really kind of um, going with the herd and then you know leaving the rest until later on and um, I think that's that, that's my kind of objective that's been my actual kind of objective you know over the past year four seasons and uh, you know it's worked out quite well for me but um, I think my main one would be again this is just something I've probably started in the last three or four about four seasons is like you know really being patient uh, with my transfers and uh, you know, not kind of uh, you know knee jerking and, and price changing, and then I think that's probably the you know the single factor that's really helped me kind of improve as as an FPL manager. You could say. I remember like last year, especially, and I guess you kind of repeated it this year. Like last year, you resisted so many of the kind of early bandwagons, didn't you? Like uh, Werner, especially, was one that you were just like, no, no, I need to see some sort of sense of um, proof of concept, effectively. And I think that that stood you in such good stead, didn't it? Like last year, I remember just looking at your rank and thinking, wow, you know, how's he done it? Always oh, just trusted established players. Like so deceptively simple, isn't it? One of those things that can perhaps uh, be overlooked by managers. Yeah, no, for sure, definitely. I just think it's one of those things that uh, we tend to overthink. And I mean, just just as a prime example, this season, like Jamie Vardy, you know what I mean? He's a he's a proven asset. You know, he's been banging goals for like you know six seasons, but um, you know he's he's still kind of going under under the radar. I I try not to overthink decisions as well. Just trying to kind of stay in my own little bubble, 
With with Twitter, especially getting so big now, it's just um, you know the, the ideas and opinions are flying about all over the place. So like a few kind of select people that I speak to about my team. I think what another thing that's really important is actually discussing your team and tactics with with other kind of managers. I think that's you know one of the things that really kind of improves your game. So it's not like I'm I'm just sitting there by myself, you know, with a pen and paper. You know, I've got other uh, you know kind of people that I speak to and you know you know bounce ideas off. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm talking about keeping that circle small. You're not just you know inundated with you know ten different you know ideas and you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I feel that. Feel that. We, we try to do that in in, our, in a, a couple of our messaging groups, Anthony. But it doesn't always go go well, does it? Um, it, it, never, it never, it never, does. No, it does. <laughs> right. Let's move on swiftly from that point before we start pointing fingers at who maybe by uh, Kennedy a couple of years ago. Um, to the min league update. Um, the code is two IP four three T, and um. There's a new leader this week. Uh, so Ryan is dead. Long live the Ryan. Yes, uh, it's uh, Ryan Mackey who's uh, gone to the top this week with Ryanjas, um, a 52-pointer, enough to take him there um, from second right up to first. Um, he's uh, deposed the Ryan Quinn, who will come on to shortly. Um, but Josue Creed has come between the two Ryans as well, Sharknado FC. 61 points this week. Moved out James uh, for Aspilicueta. Um, So a nice immediate boon there. The 61 pointer got him above uh, Ryan Quinn as well into second. And he's now just, uh, well, no, I say just, he's 11 points behind uh, Ryan Mackey in first. Unfortunately, Ryan Quinn, our erstwhile leader, has had a bit of a shocker. 35 points only on a minus eight as well. Not good. So he saw Williams for cash, uh, Jota for Rafinha and Shaw for Alonso, unfortunately. So a minus eight, which didn't pay off really at all, sadly. And uh, poor old Ryan is now down to third. Um, in fourth, it's a new entrant to the league. It's Andreas Josephson, a Zinka squad. That reminds me, I probably need to close the league pretty soon. Um, but he captained uh, Jimenez this week. I brought in Kieran Tierney and brought in Spilicueta as well. Must be listening to WGTA. They're in the middle league, so makes sense. Uh, 61 points for him. Um, he pushes George Papillis uh, down to fifth. Um, sad at FPL Fallen. It took him on four this week. Brought in Lukaku. Well, Maverick move. Brought in Click. And brought in Christensen. Uh, obviously, those didn't really pay off either, so 49. Sit for uh, up from seventh. Uh, Daniel Arkoff for Ak Attack with 47. I mean, these are the sort of numbers you needed this week to move. Really, really not a good week at all. A Kairati kid, Gavin Smith, a red, a red arrow down from 5th to 7th and 7th um, at 44 points this week. Um, joint 8th, it's Osamayumi Ogbomo with 52 points, minus 4. Antonio captain brought us Piliqueta again and brought in Saka too. And wow, some people actually do listen to us by the time to Anthony. That's really, really, that's quite heartening actually. Um, and joint 8th, it's John Lee as well. Um, he um, also... Well, no, he didn't. He brought in Alonso and uh, Rudiger, so 39 points there, uh, down from eight of third to eighth. And in joint tenth, we've got four people, actually. Andreas Johansson, Charles Woods, Maxim Malinowski, and Josh M. Um, Josh M's featured in these updates before, with a varying array of scores between them. Uh, Andreas, in particular, 61 points in his wildcard. So congratulations to everybody in the top 10, um, doing very, very well, motoring along uh, pretty well this year. And finally, in this section... I don't know why I went New Zealand there. Finally, in this section, um, we're going to talk about the market forces. It's where we look at the movers and shakers of the uh, game we've just gone, see how the market's performing. And Anthony, uh, even though it is an international break, you know, wild cards are flying everywhere. Lots of this data is probably um, slightly diluted by that fact. There's a really surprising name. I didn't expect I'd see top of the market forces until the transfers in. Yes, Tom, I don't think I ever would have expected to see the day where Andros Townsend was the most transferred in player in FPL, but that's where we are right now. So about 190k transfers in now for Townsend, which is 
surprising. And it, to be honest, like even though it is Cancelo for Townsend to be followed by a defender as the most transferred in players in a given game week is shocking, followed by a Wolves forward that isn't Raul Jimenez in Huang. So it's it's really a funny, uh, a funny selection in the top three. They're followed by Salah and then Ducure, who has about 100k transfers in. And uh, funding those in terms of transfers out, it's Cristiano Ronaldo is the most transferred out player, 150k transfers out. TAA follows him up with about 120k-ish transfers out. Mason Greenwood follows them, just under 100k transfers out. Uh, Marcus Alonso being sold suddenly now that he isn't uh, undroppable. So, uh, yep, 70, 76k transfers out. And then you've kind of got this like interesting smattering, like a quartet who are around 65k uh, in sales right now. Luke Shaw, Ferran Torres, uh, Ismail Assar, and Romelu Lukaku. So really, it's quite interesting to see, you know, two premiums there in the most transferred out. And yet in terms of the transferred in, aside from Salah, you're kind of looking at an awful lot of the players in that bracket of between, let's say, 5.5 and 6.5. Yes, all of the enablers and the more than we would have expected, I guess, probably going to be the subjects that we'll be dealing with an awful lot in the rest of this podcast when we're talking about wildcard teams. And so... Not too surprising that these are the types of players that are being brought in when so many wildcards are being hit this week. All right, let's take a break there and we move on to the main topic uh, just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? All right, so we're back and we're on to the main topic. Um, so, you know, normally on WTA, we try to provide you with a fishing rod rather than a fish. Well, this week we thought that with the abundance of managers wildcarding it or facing some, you know, transition-based transfers, like we said last week, it's all about that fixture shift and it's in full swing now. It was best this week to just kind of strip it back for once and focusing on the core issue, which is a fairly straightforward, who are our top transfer targets? Obviously, this is designed to help wildcarders. Abdul has helped with his wildcards. <laughs> it's like we planned it for this or something like that. Um, and ex-wildcarders are like uh, to think about um, either the revolution, if you're a wildcard, or evolution of their teams, if you're not. Um, we'll answer this question not by reviewing the whole player list. We don't want to get into you know price review territory in pre-season. Uh, but I guess by looking through each position by price tier, so premium, premiums for top price, support for mid-price and enablers, um, we're going to do that and discuss, I think, simply our top target for each within the array of different options floating around there. It might be the same option, of course, we come up with. And obviously, we may not speak about your player, your niche pick, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry about that, but you know, time and things like that. Um, worth mentioning the timestamp here. It's Monday, the 4th of October, 2021. Um, the game itself has just finished. So if this is this next week and something has changed, basically, we're hoping it's not instantly dated. Um, but first, you know, Abdul, on wildcard, um, worth just kind of going over that at the moment because a lot of people will be interested in seeing where you've gone um, the your screen's up on your team's up on the screen for those who are watching on YouTube but um, for those who aren't would you mind just talking us through where you've gone uh, thus far obviously we know it's kind of first pass and so on and so forth yeah so at the moment I've um, I mean this is obviously it this is my draft assuming at the moment Trent is is not fit for Watford so I've got uh, Ramsdale in, in goal and then Steele as my, as my 4 million backup but that'll probably be Foster or another, another 4 million already looked into that position. So, so the three main defenders, I've got Cancelo, Diaz, Rudiger, and then I've got Lovremento and Tomiyasu. In midfield, I've got Salah, Son, Rafina, Mboembo, and uh, Bissouma as my uh, bench uh, enabler. And then I've got Lukaku, Antonio, and Tony. Um, that's so that's that's the team I'm on at the moment and that probably will change quite a bit if Trent is fit for Watford um, I mean my plan is if he's not fit for Watford then you know maybe bringing him in for, for game week 10 or something 
if Watford doesn't happen, then you've got a good reason to not have him in for United. And you can obviously, after a wild card, you tend to want to roll your free transfer afterwards. So you'll have yeah. two free transfers, game week 10. Makes a lot of sense. And you know, the likes of Son in there maybe would be a climb down. And no, I really like this. It's, it, and I think that it's interesting because it keys into um, a good pivot question, looking at your midfield in particular, um, which is, you know, Son is obviously kind of the, a slight luxury pick because of no Trent. But after Son and Salah, you've then got Rafinha and Buemo, and then you've got Basuma and, and the 4.5 slot, which would be quite just a bit. But there was a really good pivot question we were asked by FPL Sheppy, um, who said he's also on a World Cup. And struggling to build midfield. He says, are there any real options above 7 million except Salah with the money spent in defence and forward? So you've gone at the moment, Abdul, with Salah, Son and um, you know preserving that free man up front. Um, but I think it'd be really interesting from, from the off, thinking about who our transfer targets are, to, to start with the midfield, start in the middle. Um, because, I mean, at the moment, and there's lots of really interesting sort of dynamics going on. I guess to start in the premiums, I think we were going to leave Salah as it is because we don't need to wax lyrical about him anymore. Um, yeah. But I, I'm interested to hear about your Son pick there because, I mean, I noted, for example, he's fair for a, a goal involvement overall the season, level with Andros Townsend. <laughs> and uh, he's also seventh for XG. Um, but I think he's one who, because of the prices, I mean, we've got questions about this, but I think they're going to end up in here so I'm just going to mention it now Ryan M mentioned Son and asked whether he was one of those kind of template busters we were all looking for and I think that you know that's probably a good place to start here because outside of Salah Abdul it sounds, seems like you've put the money aside for Son is that just because the trend situation or regardless of that would you have Son in there? It's, at the moment it's because of the, the trend situation I mean I bought him in this week anyway um, you know, I was like my kind of a, a possible you know a, a one week or a possible two week punt um, because I was planning on in the wild card this week or one week after, um, but yeah, he's he's there because of no trend. I mean, it's basically it's basically between one of them two. Um, I've not at the moment been able to kind of put together a kind of balanced team with them both in it. Um, you know, without losing. I mean, I've, I've put one draft together, you know, and then but that kind of involves losing losing Tony, um, which um, and also one of one of the city defenders. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's tough, but. Um, I, I just really like Son as an option. Um, he's, I mean, he's got Newcastle next, which is a great fixture. And then, if you look on the FPL website, his next three fixtures after that, nine, ten, eleven, are, are all red and you know ranked at four. But uh, really, I don't think they're that bad of fixtures for for Son. Uh, you know, West Ham away, my United at home, and Everton away, and then after that, their, their fixtures pick up hugely. So he's really he's really attracted me. But I don't know. I, I just I just think if Trent is fit. I just won't be able to justify it, um, which is a real shame because I really, I just love, I love the guy as a player anyway. But yeah, an FPL yeah. asset, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a great FPL asset. But it's just a really awkward price point. I'm kind of ho- secretly hoping that, <laughs> you know, Trent is ruled out for maybe another game week or two. <laughs> you know, gets a few rest so I can, I can, I can put him in. But um, I mean, I mean, another kind of um, thing about Trent as well is that if you look at Liverpool's fixtures, they've got mine out of the way in nine, and they've got, you know. Brighton at home, which is, I guess, it's a good fixture, but then they've got West Ham away. So, I mean, I, th- I think we can possibly go without Trent until game week 13 when they've got Southampton at home and then their fixtures pick up, you know. This isn't um, an FPL podcast-worthy point to make, but I was astounded to see that Son had crossed the 42 points barrier and was, you know, the second highest scoring premium midfielder now. Just he kind of, he seems to have ghosted to that position as far as I'm concerned. Like, he's had plenty of 
goal involvements. It's just because, I guess, Tottenham kept winning games 1-0, then they started losing games constantly, and uh, then they had last weekend. So it's it's been a kind of an interesting season for them in that sense that Sons just been such a quiet option. There were a few people on Twitter posting teams, and I saw Sons starting to appear ahead of the last week, and I was thinking... Well, I thought it was a brave pick at the time, but it's kind of suddenly now, okay, you look at the data and you see that you know, his expected FPL points, he's overperforming it relatively um, substantially by about a third and that he would have been expected to get about 31 points from his XG of 2.12 and his XA of 0.34. And he's obviously mm. gone for 42 points. But at the same time, that is on in a nutshell, isn't it? If Kane started to return, because Kane's price is relatively prohibitive and because he's contesting with some of the other well-known premium options in the forward line, it means that Son and his assists that he could get for Kane would be a particularly good value um, add to a team for relatively cheap. You know, at 10 million, he is a premium in disguise, um, as proven last season with his mm. you know, 200 club entrance. And uh, he could do it again um, if things kind of come together for just one other Spurs attacking player for him to provide and work with. Yeah, I think that his fortunes are linked with Trent's in the mind of wildcards like Abdul is definitely yep. key. Like for me to make that, I need to end up moving Trent out to a, yep. a, a mid-price at best defenders make it work. So it could be one of those on wildcard Abdul where wildcards could see a a huge kind of uplift because people like us who don't have a wild card could be sat here, you know, with Trent hoping that he's fit. And then when they come back to United, whereas you've already got some for an okay looking fixture, to be honest, next up um, against West Ham, as you said. So, I mean, I really like that. And I think that's a a nice differential provided Trent isn't fit. If he is fit, I think it will come on to defence a little bit. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But I I guess kind of to move the story on a little bit, I'm guessing that we'd all kind of nominate Salah as being the premium, obviously. But I think the story of the season so far has been of those lower price support players beating out a lot of mid-price midfield picks over the course of the first seven game weeks. So, I mean, if you look at um, you know points scored for players below 10.0, you have the following top five. Ben Rama first, Ducore, Townsend, Saar, Gray, and then you've got Collar Gallagher down on 34. Ducore and Townsend on 43. Those players have both scored more points than Son. Um, and they cost, you know, just over half his price, which is just, yeah, pretty crazy, to be honest. You know, you've got to head down a, a fair way um, before you look at the, uh, a few players. So after Gray, you've got Pogba on 36 as well and Greenwood on 36 too. I said at the start of the season, uh, many players in this bracket have been hedged in the pricing. There's definitely a volatility in this particular market. And there's also a case of the hype, I think, because, you know, Townsend and Ducore in particular have done what Jack Harrison did last year and kind of sneak their way to decent scores um, without much acclaim versus the likes of Ben Rama and Saar um, who are much acclaimed and that's been kind of proved in the the, the jump in uh, price and jump ownership they've got a grey as well for them to that character um, overperformance is massive here in the amount which tool you use so according to Scout um, Townsend's outperformed his XGI by 2.25 for his five involvements. And Ducore has outperformed his by a man 4.5 on his six involvements. Like Sustainable, I'm not sure. Um, in terms of the underperformers, the two Wolves lads, shockingly, are the biggest underperformers. Zero involvements, but over two expected for a Trincao and Traore. And then Buemo, uh, 1.75 light. And that 
kind of tallies as well if you've watched him play. Um, but you have to go quite a fair way down, but you start looking at likes of Gundogan, Mount, Grealish, Pepe, and Diogo Jota, an XGI 3.99, expects that the actual, actual goals are actually free. If he had a couple more goals, for example, or if Mane had managed to register those goals for his assist, he'd be right up there, wouldn't he? I mean, there's definitely a few options floating around of likes of uh, Grealish, for example. He's top for t- Pembot's touches uh, amongst these midfielders. He's had the most sensitive assists. Great um, trio of fixtures incoming for Burnley, Brighton, and Crystal Palace. But um, I mean, Abdul, at the moment, you've gone for just kind of having that kind of um, lower reaches, both 5.x um, to 6.x support cast. I mean, is it the case that it's all about supporting that big defense and that kind of slightly bigger attack than normal? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I mean, there's, there's so much good value in, in, in those place points now, you know, with the Rufina. I know Ambo and then you've you've got the other options that you've mentioned as well. I mean, there's a few other guys that are performing like Galcher and you know the Everton boys as you just mentioned. So so yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's just really it's so difficult to kind of trust you know the, the kind of mid price, the the lower kind of mid price midfielders. So yeah, I think it's just I think I mean I think you've nailed kind of picks in, in midfielder Salah and Rafina, and then after that it's um you know. I think that's where it gets really tough, and I think that's where you kind of need to do, you know, the bulk of your analysis um, and, and who, who the best midfielders are. One guy you missed out was, was um, Phil Foden, who is, um, you know, could potentially be, you know, a, a great option as well. Um, I mean, he's one I'm looking at. Um, you know, if uh, you know if I end up going Trent, I have to get rid of Son, then he's probably one that I'm really like looking at for City. Um, you know, he's he's only seven point nine. Um, Again, it's just you know the rotation with him, but yeah, I mean, you know, from what I've been hearing from, you know, when people have been talking about him, he he seems to be one of kind of Pep's you know favorite players, and he should play. But yeah, I think when you're looking at uh, you know the, the mid placement midfielders, there's just so many, and um, I've gone with him because I think he's he's definitely the best one. Um, you know, he's he's the best one after Rafina, the, the mid priced one. If you look at the stats, he's playing out of position. Um, and I think the ones that other guys that you mentioned, like you know Townsend, Triore, Galcher, I think these guys will probably. I mean, I, th- I, th- I think there are tons at the moment that have been radiance. And yeah, I think yeah. Probably, it's not not sustainable. Yeah, I don't think they'll they'll sustain that that rate or even anywhere close to it. Uh, whereas I think Mbembo is just kind of actually going to improve. It's interesting on Mbembo. Not necessarily pointing at you when I say this, but it's amazing what the, an extra goal does. Um, in terms of everyone's perception of him, I but you know, that, it's I like, said that okay, last Tom, week though, he was he was yeah. one goal away from people uh, yeah. being like, "Oh, he's great." <laughs> yeah, no, and no, and Tom, you were just so right about it. It is funny because you know, I'm now looking at his data, and you know, I see that in terms of expected FPL points, Gallagher, Embuemo, Ducore, Sarah, I would have expected about 36 points, and you know, Embuemo is the one who's you know seriously underperformed in that bracket up to now, even you know with um, the, the weekend's goal, and you look at that and you're like, okay, is that is that a glitch or a feature of him? <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. like if it's if it's if his underperformance is a feature, I don't want him. If the fact that he's underperformed is a glitch, then you want him. And it kind of kind of comes down to what you believe. Like obviously, yeah, I'm. It's it's hard. The thing with this is that it's very hard to for anyone to advocate for an Andros Townsend character instead. You know, Takure obviously playing quite mm. quite far forward and getting quite involved and doing an awful lot of running at the moment that makes him really interesting. But at the end of the day, like his. His expected data just 
it doesn't scream out in any sense. Like he is 1.11 in terms of XG, 1.27 in terms of XA. Like neither of these are numbers to write home about. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Embuemo, at least you can say out of position, goal threat, XG is almost three. Good. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you've watched him, uh, he caught my eye um, a couple of weeks ago against Wolves and then week before last. Um, and I think that this week it kind of it kind of hammered it home for me, really. What I like most about him is that he's always looking for that second ball and that, was writ large in his goal this week. You know, he kept going, expecting a, a rebound or in the hope that a rebound would happen. Like he's been kind of lurking around the Tony knockdowns, like lurking in the, those dangerous positions, waiting for that rebound to happen. It did happen this week. Um, but as you mentioned, Anthony, second for XGI, just below Jotter in terms of mids for this category. But he's light in terms of the XGI. Whether that is, as you say, a feature or a glitch is, is one thing. But the way Brentford are playing, the way he's positioned on the pitch, um, both of them make me think he's worth owning. The only thing is if Wisser then comes in because Wisser scored a couple of goals late, um, whether they change uh, systems to fit him in, go away from their two up top. But um, I think that he's definitely one that I really like. I mean, there are a couple of um, players that um, we quite like. I mean, Rafinha, I guess, the top pick here at the eye test, I think he's just near unplayable. Only 6.6. He's had the most shots amongst midfielders in this category. He's second for chances created. Not exactly screaming out in the data, but if you watch him play Abdul, he's um, one of those who's just, I mean, he's straight in your team, isn't he? No offence to Leeds here, but he is, he is a class above Leeds. And I think he's he's a good enough player to play on top four side. But yeah, he's just, you know, the best player on the pitch. The thing with him as well, he's he's on like all set pieces. Like he's on corner, he's on free kicks, direct free kicks, indirect free kicks. Um, so he's, you know, he's, his avenue to points is is quite large as well. And the next kind of best option around that kind of price point is uh, Sar. I just think with Sar's fixtures, um, you know, there's that just that sea of red. And yeah, I think um, he's got one, one good fixture in the next, like, you know, 10 games. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's why I'm not really kind of attracted to him. He, I think he was in my honourable mention uh, category. I mean, honourable mention, he's been great. Owners who have gotten him and attacked those fixtures, uh, the first seven have been richly uh, rewarded. But Watford are terrible. I mean, if you've, if you've watched them play, wow. I mean, uh, Ben Foster described the 1-0 defeat to Leeds as a 1-0 thrashing. And we definitely get to the point, Anthony, I think, where we get Talisman Fury rubbing up against bad team, don't we? It'd be interesting to see what Ranieri does with him maybe given the ball, hope he turns into his new Mares, But I think it would be one, it's one where, um, as Abdul says, the fixtures just kind of make you think, hmm, really? It is. And it's just, if you've watched Watford um, at any amount, any amount up to this point, you wouldn't have been all that confident in them. And like, okay, yeah, Sar is a good player and kind of stands out in their team. Um, I've kind of talked about before in previous pods about just kind of the positions he's taking up just not being particularly useful and just it makes it hard for him to get into a really threatening shot zone. And so if you look on something like FB ref or something which kind of sets out his his XG and his XA on a per game basis and really like easy to look at column game by game, uh, you kind of start to see that, you know, he has had some big games, but in the games in between, like that he hasn't necessarily been able to get much of a sniff on goal. Like whilst he has up to this point, um, you know, a pretty decent um, score for his price or whatever, it's not enough to maybe justify kind of getting him ahead of the, the likes of Rafinha and things. And it's just then, just because of the prices and the fact that there is people like Embuemo that you might want and because there are 
players that you would spend, you know, that 6.5-ish on in defense who you would actually expect to outscore him or yeah. at least to match him. It means that it is hard to get him in. And I guess you're if you would put someone like Sar into your side, you're probably sacrificing putting in a good third striker. We'll come to that, of course. Um, but someone like Tony would be the sort of player who I think would um, be the one that you'd be sacrificing if you did want to get him in. So there's there's a little bit of a relationship there between, we, we talked about there being you know, the TAA-SAN relationship, and I think this is at a much lower pricing. There is kind of a bit of a thing going on there in terms of your your, your third midfielder slot or your third striker slot. Yeah, um, they're inexorably linked, aren't they? Uh, the mm-hmm. only other thing I want to start asking, I'm thinking quickly, I mean, you, you went for Saka this week. I'm guessing you'll be holding on to that. And um, I guess, yep. you know, Arsenal, um, the big bang against Tottenham, but a bit of a bust against Brighton. I said last week, I think it, it, was, it was classic Arsenal to um, win convincingly against Tottenham and then kind of struggle against, well, I know, Bryson are elite in terms of the stats, but a non-paper mid-table club, it's classic us to not struggle exactly, but produce absolutely F all. I mean, you've got Saka, you've got Smith Rowe there. I mean, um, our friend Adam Pritchard be kind of uh, you know, espousing the virtues of um, of Smith Rowe. You're, you're very happy with Saka, aren't you? I mean, the next kind of four, um, three games in four at the Emirates, Crystal Palace, Villa, and Leicester and Watford. I am like, of course, this week I'm kind of like, oh, it would have been great to get those points from, you know, X, Y and Z player that I could have brought in instead. But overall, as a non wild carder, I had to look ahead at the fixtures and I was like, OK, Arsenal had a good uh, five fixtures as it was. You know, the Brighton one I didn't see as the worst fixture in the world. I wasn't too hopeful, but at the same time, I did think that Saka is the type of player who gets in the positions and would have a chance. He did indeed, you know, have a little bit of a chance and against Brighton didn't come past, come to pass, but he did have a chance early on. You're kind of like, that's what I kind of expected from him. And I think it will pay dividends, um, yeah, I hope no. it will anyway, over the next few weeks. Yeah, it's GI for that amount of money. So I think Rafinha for Abdul, Rafinha for me and Anthony, I assume probably Oh, it's still... it's, it, it's Rafinha. I have him yeah. on my side too. Cool. Um, but I've, I've made that space and still have Saka, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Um, enablers, probably a bit of a shorter chat here. I mean, um, Abdul, I noticed in your uh, team you've got Basuma. I'm guessing that's because you haven't really paid much attention to it for now, um, unless you've seen something. That would be the correct answer. There's only, I think, Basuma and Brownhill, I would say. Um, I think Gilmore's out of the picture now. Oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. Another Louise. No, it's Alan. It's all about Alan. Oh, he is. He's, he's 4.6, yeah. of course. He's got a price rise. That's how good he's been, Abdul. Uh, he's had a price rise to four. I thought Alan was five point five. No, no, but that's how that's how much good value there is in the man. Yeah, I just <laughs> I just <laughs> read no, and then I, I just I honestly thought he was five point five. Wow. Well, okay. Yeah. He's no. um, yeah, <laughs> he's and he's he's twenty-four points, two assists. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Two assists. Yeah. He's. I thought he was five point five. Like I was. <laughs> I was actually looking to get a Brownhill in my team because he was. Oh there. my word! To be fair, I think I think with my wild cards, it's going to be so tight that I'm going to have to get somebody like Brownhill, who is like you know, yeah, but a point you know zero point one million cheaper now. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm all right. I mean, let me help you on the 4.5s then. There are two, I think, which do stand out. Sorry to Alan. I'm, uh, he's clearly the best one out there. I, uh, you know what Basuma does offer, which is like the occasional, really occasional return. There are a couple of players out there who look okay. As you mentioned, that, um, Abdul Douglas Louise, uh, 12 chances created so far at 4.5. Um, that's looking all right. Um, if you're looking for an attacking one in some senses, uh, Norman at Norwich um, loves a long shot. And he's also Jesus. on direct free kicks. 
Funnily enough, um, he's had four of them. He's had two two attempts on target. We're talking, Anthony, before you start laughing, about really, really bad players in terms of the team. So you're looking for an occasional return somewhere. And Douglas Louise Norman at 4.5, those are the kind of players who can do it for you, I think. Why not just get the, the absolutely nailed player playing in a pretty decent midfield? Uh, Douglas Louise and Norman be... are both nailed. And uh, Villa are good. Norwich aren't, but Villa are good. Well, Alan has been delivering. He's got the point so far. He's had one shot all season, but ignore that. Uh, instead, look to those sweet, sweet two assists from five. But, but was one of them a penalty assist? One of them was a penalty assist. That's how far forward he gets sometimes. I was, I was as surprised as him. We're not talking about Douglas Luiz. We're just going to ignore that. This is this is the Alan show. <laughs> yeah, no, the no Douglas Luiz. In in fairness, like I won't be too obstinate on this. Like Douglas Luiz, Douglas Luiz's uh, underlying data is definitely better. It's just the um, the Alan shout was my was a preseason shout of mine that I felt like he was better than Brown Hill when that's where people were going. And just the fact that he had managed to pull out two assists so far in the campaign has just been um, music to my ears. So yeah, like if you were to actually look at things in terms of expected FPL points so far this year. Alan is actually the highest ranking of the, you know, formerly 4.5s. Um, it's only kind of five. You have to look to really to players who are five or 4.9 million um, who are kind of in that really cheap enabling bracket ahead of him. And, you know, like, are you really going to be getting someone like Janelt or Moutinho or Norgard or Rice or Hoiberg ahead of him and spending an extra amount of money? No. So at that point, then you're looking at Alan is right there. Yeah, I'm looking Douglas Luiz, I think. All right, uh, that's the topic there, I think, easily. Um, let's move on to the defence. Um, and let's move on to the premiums of the defence. So Trent in trouble, we've already discussed that. Um, and obviously, Abdul's presented his wild card without Trent in at the moment. I'm not going to go into Trent in the same way we're not going to go into Salah. Um, but I think what's really interesting is what we spoke about last week, that double-double at the Man City and, and Chelsea defence um, and doubling up on them. Um, any further info this week? Well, I mean, Man City despite conceding a couple of goals, we're still on less than one big chance conceded per game. Um, Chelsea are doing less well, um, shockingly, um, but they're still bottom five, for example, in a lot of analogue stats. like They're still bottom five of shots on target conceded. For them, the fixtures are both worth mentioning for the short term. So City, the next three, are Burnley, Bryce and Crystal Palace. You can imagine all three of them being clean sheets. You can equally imagine one big chance going in, knowing what City are like. Um, but Chelsea as well have Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle and Burnley, um, which does lend itself to this double-double of Chelsea and City defence uh, for wildcarders. Abdul, I mean, I noticed that you've gone with Diaz and Cancelo. I guess you're kind of just looking at this next period and thinking, well, after a couple of tough games and obviously last game week, both of those players, Diaz and Cancelo, got zero pointers after getting yellow cards in season two. What are your thoughts about kind of setting up for this particular period around those premium defences? I don't want a double-double. Like, I don't want a double City and a double Chelsea defence. So it's going to be, you know, one or the other. So I've, I've gone with City just simply because, you know, I mean, if you look at the expected goals conceded, right, um, it's three. The next best after that is Brighton, which is 5.7. So they're, they're quite a bit ahead of the rest of the pack. Chelsea are probably the second best defence, but obviously that doesn't show in the numbers because I think that, that's obviously due to their fixtures. I mean, they've played, uh, I think they played Arsenal away, they've played Spurs, they've played City, uh, they've played Liverpool. So I think you need to take their expected goals conceded. Uh, with the, 100%. The, so, 100%. Um, so, they, yeah, so they're definitely the two best defences, but just City are just kind of... You know, I, I think they're a level above all the other teams' defence, um, which is why I'm really, really kind of keen on a, on a double-city defence. I mean, if you're on a wild card, you know, every, every penny counts. So 
Um, I, I, don't, I don't think having a double Chelsea defence instead of a double City defence, as long as you've got one City defender there, you know, is the end of the world. Um, and that could be a path I go, um, you know, depending on budget, etc. But um, yeah, I, th- I definitely think you know you have to have at least at least one City yeah. and, and one Chelsea uh-huh. uh, defence. And yeah, I think everyone's aware of that. Yeah, I'll be behind that. I mean, I think one thing, one kind of stat I noted with looking at both of these teams, both of the players, that's Billy Quetta, I keep pushing him, but fair enough, and Cancelo, who I also own now. They're joint third with Penbox touches on amongst defenders. Um, Cancelo is actually third for attempts. But I also noted as well that Laporte at 5.5, who I assume is going to be in until a rotation hits or until he loses his spot. He and Van Dijk have the second joint most shots on, in the box now amongst defenders behind the unit that is Shane Duffy. Um, but Laporte um, has played only five games. Um, so he gets an attempt, therefore, every 45 minutes, which is worth keeping tabs on as well. Again, um, I'm going to mention this one more time, but we've asked the question. I'm happy with that return this week because I was bang on about him being a bit of a hybrid. So he was playing right wing back this week. If James wasn't around, I'm sure he may have been right centre back. Um, but two assists this week, filling in for James was really gratifying. I think there's only one big chance, one chance created. Um, but really, really um, interesting to see that kind of shake out. He's actually equal now with Alonso for XGI um, with Cancelo um, in third. Um, Trent, of course, is first um, on that metric. I mean, Anthony, where are you now on this? I mean, obviously, Man United are out of the picture. You'll be very pleased to hear that Shaw's being eschewed, assured uh, from loads of uh, teams. Um, where are you with these uh, kind of uh, high-priced defenders? If people had um, just thought a little bit, I think they should never have gone for Shaw, but yes. Um... Right, calm down. <laughs> So that's one thing I called right this year. Um, actually, one thing I would say, you were just mentioning um, as uh, quite there, it was Rudiger would have had the assist on one of the Lukaku goal that was ruled for offside on one of his marauding runs. He ended up oh, yeah. playing the ball through and things. And just, it is kind of interesting. You know, Aspilicueta was kind of maybe fortunate to get one of those assists, you know, just the type of assist that it was. It wasn't the one, it it wasn't the type of assist you bought him for. The other one, the, the Werner goal wasn't yeah, the Werner exactly, goal exactly the type of assist you were hoping to get. Um, and so it is just it is interesting to me that you know Rudiger could have got there. He had another marauding run that set off Cho that could have actually worked out for him as well. So he, you know, in a very odd way, he could have been the one with an assist or two, um, the way things worked out. But I think the underlying stats speak for themselves that Aspiliqueta is probably the Chelsea defender to get just because he has that expected minutes thing as well. This is all we discussed last week. But it does feel like the difference in terms of the objective data between how much more solid City's defense is than Chelsea's is means that I would, even though the fixtures are obviously in Chelsea's favour, it feels to me like if you were to double up on one of those defences, it's still the city one that I would point to. I think Ederson is, and we'll get to this, a component of that because he just has that nailedness. And I think it allows you then to kind of indulge in the gamble of somebody like Cancelo, who, when he's on the pitch, will do quite a lot for you, poses a huge threat in terms of, he's, he's kind of like Trent in terms of the actual yeah. threat that he poses in terms of attacking threats. He's not quite there, but he's as close as any we've got elsewhere in the league. I still think that there's like a bit of an allure with Diaz purely because I consider him more nailed. But a if you're massive getting, goal threat as well, I hear. It's going to come. It's going to come. He's up there for those corners. Yeah, it's it's going to come. It's going to happen one time this season. BF, no, 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 no. He'll get four goals. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Cancelo, an Iberian man's Trent. Fair enough. Um, moving through this to the supports, I mean, it feels like this is a bit of a skipped category, isn't it, Bar Christensen? Um, I think he's my sort of pick here because if you have an bench, you can rely on him and he can get you six points. One player, 
I'm going to just go through this. I'm going to move on to the cheapies in a second. But one player I want to mention, which is an eye roller, it comes out in the data, is Matt Ritchie, a.k.a. Gordon Ramsay Jr. Um, so he's playing left wing back for Newcastle, cost five million. He's created as many chances as Trent this year in the data. He's created more chances than the likes of Shaw and Cresswell. He's created the second most crosses. He's got all set of pieces, had the fifth most attempts at goal amongst defenders, and he's got the second highest XA to Trent. Really random pickup, basically. It could be really sustained if Callum Wilson was around. Yeah, exactly. You know? And also, yeah. am I going to be really pushing somebody who plays Newcastle? No, I'm not. But Tate okay. is there for all to see. A, a, a repositioned midfielder, um, basically. Um, and Tierney as well, as one who's doing okay in the creative chances. But let's move on to the enablers. That's more important. Um, 4.5s are worth it. I mean, um, Abdul, you've gone with the uh, Tomiyasu um, in, in that defence. Uh, I guess Arsenal's defence has definitely kind of tightened a lot fairly recently. I mean, data is fairly contentious because Ramsdale, for example, has only played in the last four. But since then, um, we've actually conceded the, the fewest big chances and the third fewest shots on target. So it makes sense to go with Tomiyasu, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you just look at Arsenal's fixtures, I mean, um, you know, they're the, especially the next uh, next four. You can see at least two clean sheets in there. But Chris Apal's what for, you know, possibly Villa as well. I really like Arsenal's defence. With Tomiyasu, I think he's a better option than White, but whether he's kind of worth the, the, the 0.1 million, I don't know. But I mean, um, he, he basically is just doing the Ben Davis under Mourinho. Like he just tucks into the back three while TNE rampages forward. But I mean, he, he does get forward to some extent. Yeah, um, I think so, a lot more than White anyway. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think Arsenal defence is like seriously undervalued, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with, with White and Tommy Asu. They're a much the better defence than, you know, 4.5 million. Them along with Brighton defenders are, are really undervalued. So yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that I'll be playing. Marshall defender much you know over the, over the next few game weeks but he's you know he's a great person to have in your bench you know if one of your players are injured needs to come in apart from you know that kind of price point you know the, the, the 4.5 you know downwards uh, there's only really um, you know Duffy and, and Livermento and possibly Veltman as well actually Veltman's still 4.4 uh, so those three are worth a shout as well yeah, maybe I'll just kind of uh, mop up in this particular area. There's kind of the the Shane Duffy is the one who kind of needs to be discussed in this 4.3. He's obviously super duper cheap, really accessible in that sense. Um, still playing for that Brighton defence and seems to be holding his spot at this point. I don't think we feel any doubt about that at this point. He hasn't really set a foot wrong so far. Uh, whilst he does get an awful lot of chances and he's had 13 shots, uh, like the XG that those have cumulatively ain't much it ain't much at all 0.32 between them all so I guess you know those hitters that he's getting off corners and the like are not exactly high value chances and so whilst he has got one goal this year I wouldn't be holding my your breath on expecting those to come super duper regularly it does feel though that of the the cheapies it does feel like Livramento is kind of the king in this um, just it, it's kind of an eye test thing for me more than anything in just how far forward he gets so frequently and I think a testament to that is the fact that he won the penalty that Southampton uh, scored yeah. against Chelsea at the weekend you know, it kind of just gives you an idea of how much how far forward he is getting and so whilst he's got that just one assist so far this year you would expect him to you know get the odd assist like he's not like some sort of chance creating demon or anything well, but at zero, the same time, anything he does is upside Exactly. Um, so yeah, like a good player who definitely seems to have nailed his spot in that team at this point and um, is just a great pickup to have that just enables you. And it was no surprise to me to see him in your side, Abdul. Um, I know a lot of us, maybe you're the same, had him picked up a little bit earlier than this, but he is the, the cheap pick of the lot. 
Um, the only thing I want to add here is that Rico Henry at Brentford could be one to pick up on um, for game week 10 when they've got a good fixture run. Um, it's only an eye-testy one, um, but he plays so far forward on the left-hand side and he could pr- um, provide some assists. Let's move on here from the defence. It sounds like we're kind of broadly in line around uh, Livermento being the cheapy that you'd be buying in uh, to between the sticks and goal. Yeah, we've got a question from FPL Bean Counter on this. So he says, you know, let's talk goalkeepers. You guys and the voice in my head, so you must be right, um, says, he says, we're the only ones talking about Edison, mainly because Stag is a massive fan of Edison for some reason. Uh, but do the pros outweigh the cons? Is he really worth the extra one to 1.5 million um, versus a cheap goalkeeper with good fixture runs? Anthony, Edison, worth buying in? don't think he's the type of player who you'd be looking at as a differential because just given the way that City dominate games and the fact that he doesn't get many saves doesn't tend to lend itself to him getting many bonus points and whilst he does ping an awful lot of passes he won't get you know he hasn't gotten assists so far this year uh, in fact he hasn't even got any XA so far this year and whilst he might pick up an assist or even two over the course of the season I don't think you could really be seeing him as a differential where I see him as providing value is in just supplementing your city defense and kind of giving you a more nailed on entrant into that city defense um, to guarantee that you get those points when they come um, in addition to whatever other city defender you might have and double up. And so whilst to be perfectly honest with you, and I I can kind of see this as an argument that will be thrown against me immediately. If you look at expected FPL points or indeed FPL points more generally, he isn't going to streak ahead of other goalkeepers. But what he does do is, especially compared to the other premiums, I feel like he is a more guaranteed source of points, whereas it would be very hard to nail your, let's say, 4.5 pick uh, week in, week out. You're going to have to make that change at some point. Um, moving those deck chairs in the Titanic to match Ederson's points from your goalkeeping yeah. position over the course yeah. of the rest of the season will be challenging. Is it possible? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there, if you could predict the future, there's a far better way of going about the goalkeeper position than Ederson. But if you don't want to get into um, crystal ball gazing, I just feel like he's a very good option that gets you into that state defence and allows you to just kind of buffer yourself in an EO from an EO perspective against that defence too. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm not sure you want to limit the triple up on Liverpool with Allison. Him, Edison, Allison and uh, Lloris are the three who are currently the top scoring goalkeepers. In the four point in the five point zero there's like some Melier, um DDG or whatever. In the four point fives, I guess though, um I hate Guaitar. Four point fives and co. Uh, I hate Guaitar. I'm really annoyed by buying buying him even though he's got the most saves and must four point five, which I guess is what he's there for. He's the second uh, per the baseline BPS or whatever. Um, but I guess, um, you know, Ramsdale, um, Abdul is where you've gone. And um, I guess echoing your points earlier on about the Arsenal defence, it feels like him at 4.6 looks like the kind of the undervalued proposition in this area. And it's one that I'm maybe, if I want to just end the Guaitar pain, would go to fairly soon. You're complaining about Guaitar, but Sanchez has actually got a point less than him. So, you know, you're, you're at least winning against the Sanchez owners. Oh yeah, but, but I've only I've only two weeks well, ago, yeah. both weeks he's been outscored by Sanchez or equaled and outscored. So yeah, that's, that's the thing with goalkeeper, just a, a total lottery. But um, yeah, I mean Ramsdale again, he's he's amazing value at four point five. But I still think Sanchez is as well. And to be fair, I'm not actually you know hundred percent on on Ramsdale yet. I still because I've got Tommy Asu or White, I, I might still go with um, Sanchez. 
but you know his he's got Liverpool and City in the next three, so that's that's the one thing that's putting me off. But I think over, you know, maybe like you know 10, 15 fixtures, uh, you know, he probably will kind of maybe pick up more clean sheets than than Ramsdale. But at the moment, I'm on the double up because obviously, as I said, I can't I can't see me playing um, you know Martial defender uh, much in, over the next few weeks if I'm going to go for like a you know kind of a big at the back defence, you know, with, with with the City and Chelsea boys. But um, yeah, it's, it's between Sanchez and, and Ramsey, wasn't it? Really, for the four point fives. Saying that, actually, Reyes probably got yeah. I was going to say Reyes yeah. as well. I, I just think Sanchez and, and Ramsey are kind of more nailed. Whereas Reyes probably more the risky pick. The other options like Sanchez and Ramsdale are four point five. They're so undervalued. I think. I think maybe if Sanchez, uh, maybe um, but Ramsdale will become this as well. But I think Sanchez and Edison are the same typology of goalkeeper where you've got six or two. There's no in between. Yeah. Um, and I think that yeah, Edison perhaps um, isn't quite worthy of involvement. Although over the long over the course of the season, it definitely will be. It's just whether that one point five million difference. But 1.4 million it is now is worth um, that investment. All right, let's move on to the final bit, which is the forwards. So into attack we go. Um, is it the end of Ronkaku? We've got a question on this. So maybe let's part the in-depth discussion on the freemiums, whether things change in terms of structural stuff. Um, but on the player level, which one would you favour and why? So, I mean, Abdul, Ronaldo in the bin, Lukaku in. I don't know it, um, but what's the reason behind that? I mean, just simply because I'm on I'm on a wild card, and you know the Chelsea fixtures picking up, and you know United's taking a downturn. Uh, obviously, the, the the price factor as well. You know, he's one million cheaper. I actually think Lukaku is probably you know a better FPL asset that, than Ronaldo because he's got the assist threat as well, and um, I think he's just younger. I think he'll play more minutes as well. Um, so I think, yeah, when you're looking at, especially with, you know, with, with him being a million cheaper, um, you know, um, I prefer Lukaku. I mean, just, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're asking me now to pick one for the rest of the season, um, it would be Lukaku. Yeah, I mean, he seems the all-round best, I suppose, amongst the, the, premium, the premium strikers as it stands. He's got the second highest XG behind Ronaldo per game. Comfortably the best XA, as you mentioned, like comfortably. And uh, Fix give him the highest XFPL per game as well. And with Chelsea, it's worth noting, I think you mentioned earlier, actually, Abdul, they haven't had their run as it is yet of fixtures. So nice yeah. to have. Um, and they've played Liverpool, City and you know, Spurs and the MyC Arsenal so far. They've had to adjust their games accordingly. So I expect Lukaku to come to the fore as fixtures beget form. Um, but again, kind of reaching into our questions a slight bit here. There's one man who, when we're looking at the data, came through. So FPL Vanarama and Ryan N both mentioned about uh, Jamie Vardy, um, who does fit into this premium category, Anthony. I mean, is he the one that we probably all should have got on? Because over the last couple of weeks, he's outscored Ronaldo and outscored Lukaku comfortably. It's hard to say, because I think if you watch Leicester playing, you're, it's hard to get too excited um, by what's going on. And whilst Vardy has had two particularly good game weeks in terms of FPL points, you're kind of, you're looking at kind of the overall performances there and kind of struggling to be as inspired as you might be. That the fact of the matter is, though, is that like I, I feel like I'm hilarious in terms of the way I'm just oscillating from side to side on the, the Ronaldo thing. I'm now looking at him like fed up, and that's not necessarily because he was benched at the weekend. I would have expected that to come at some point. It's more just the the fashion that United are playing. It's just 
it, it's it's driving me nuts maybe as a fan to start with and then i kind of feel like it's just his his effective ownership against me is what is what really you know makes it hard to sell him and that's not going to change anytime soon with that in mind i'm just i'm very slow to hit that button on him whereas with vardy it's kind of like i would have felt like he would have been a real dice roll uh, to go against the house that hard with someone like Vardy, even though he has consistently got gold, sometimes in patches, in fairness, over the last few years, you would have still thought it would have been a bit much to go for him. The other one, the other striker who's maybe in this elite category who isn't coming up much in conversation too, uh, so far, did come up briefly when we were discussing Son, is Harry Kane. Probably still not for me just yet, but even... Found himself through one-on-one against Martinez at the weekend. Didn't quite finish it. Did score for Spurs in the Europa League. Ah, Kind of like one of those kind of, you know, it's like something happens in the League Cup. It's like, okay, it doesn't really matter. But at the same time, it's like the scoring touches is there at least. And Spurs seem to be one good performance anyway. uh, Looking a little bit better than they were. Um, And so, again, it's, it's it's the level of betting against the house required to go for Kane rather than, let's say, going for the two premium strategy, going with Lukaku and spreading your wealth out and being able to get a good defence and being able to have a strong midfield, etc. And it's like, is the risk worth it to really invest so much hope in somebody like Kane? And I think nobody can really say right now that the answer is yes. On that theme of betting against the house as well, um, let's move on to the mid-price. I think we were all kind of in agreement that Lukaku's the premium. Um, in the mid-price range, obviously one man's dominated everything. It was Antonio. Uh, most goals scored, of course, but is a drop-off incoming. Um, the next block of four games before the final international break of this calendar year does not look as appetising as the opening did. The next four are Everton, Spurs, Villa and Liverpool. Maybe an ouch? Qualified ouch? Nonetheless, the best XG, second highest XA amongst all forwards and at the opening 7.5 million price, you've got to think that remains value. However, there are a couple of players coming in uh, to this kind of cycle. So Jimenez, back in fashion, uh, two assists last game, a goal the game before, two assists in the last game, off an XA of 0.1. Amazing. Uh, Second most touched in the box, though, amongst strikers, Jimenez. A hot off the press sort of pick as well in Ike Nacho. Obviously, nothing's really commended to us uh, thus far, uh, but last season was equal to Kane for goals scored in the second half. A bit unlucky uh, to lose out to Madison, but surely Brendan Rodgers has realised that they tend to do okay with two up top. The likes of Jesus also in the frame and Armstrong as well, I want to just mention quickly and um, more with the fixtures coming up uh, so Southampton's fixtures brighten up a little bit and um, he loves a shot he's second for this and last season in the championship um, he averaged five shots per game which is a bit ridiculous his XG is a bit crap uh, but he's fourth for penalty box entry so far this season on the strikers and he's third for shots on target this season and um, those fixtures I mentioned Leeds Burnley Watford Aston Villa and Norwich they include three home games in the next five could it be time for a 6.0 enabler like him to step up? But I mean, um, Abdul, the, the key question has to be about Antonio, doesn't it? I mean, um, obviously he's still in your wild card, but how long do you think he's going to remain? Because with a player like that, the art is when you step off, isn't it? I mean, I think with Antonio, for me, um, you know, at 7.5 million, you know, the place I got him at, I think he'll probably stay in my team as long as he's fit. I uh, just think his... Yeah. Um, ex-goat isn't he <laughs> yeah I mean his, his his stats you know if you you know in comparison to his price are just kind of again extremely undervalued player over the season as well he's he's, he's, he's one of those players he can score against anybody 
Like, you know, I think he scored against City and, and Liverpool, you know, last season as well. So I, I don't mind keeping him, you know, for um, you know, these tough fixtures. If he was maybe placed at say nine, nine point five, then um, you know, maybe I, I would I'd look to maybe move him on for 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 you know, like a little tough run that he's got right now, maybe. But at seven point five, yeah, um, yeah he, I think he's he's probably gone nowhere. Fair play. I mean, how do you see the um, the strikers sort of playing out? I mean, do you have any interest in Jimenez? He's not on your wild card, is he? I mean, is is that one of those players that we're looking to bring in? Because his we were saying last week that he needed a goal, and this week, even though the the stats weren't great to the eye in terms of the returns as well, um, he looked like he was more likely to be returning in the FPL sense. Yeah, I mean, I think I still like Jimenez. Um, I mean, it is we obviously be a bit worrying that his you know XG stats, you know, where they were last season. Obviously, assist stats have you know rocketed, but um, I just think when you're looking at you, you know players at, at similar or, or cheaper price point, like I, me personally, I think Tony's a better option than, than Jimenez, um, especially when you take you know one point two million. Um, you know, Tony's one point two million cheaper. Armstrong, you know, with those fixtures coming up, I think he's he's a better option than um, than Jimenez as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so he he's not he's not really came into my thinking. I mean, I've only really got one spot, you know, for, for the for the forwards. I've got Lukaku and Tony who are, who are nailed, and then it's that third spot. I mean, talk, talk to me about Tony. I mean, I, I've got Embuemo, and but I kind of soon for me in my thinking it's either or. But you've gone for Tony and Mbwemo. I mean, why have you gone that way? And what is it about Tony that makes you think, oh, he's he's definitely worthy of inclusion? Is that kind of fixture run from game week 10? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's that. And, and and the fact that, you know, it's, it's a bit of the eye test as well. You know, when you see him play, he, I mean, against Liverpool, he, he pretty much bullied, uh, you know, Virgil van Dijk and, and Matip. So I just think he's the type of player, he's going to get goals and assists and at 6.3 million great value and I think once I mean I think if I get rid of him on a wild card I think once game week 10 comes around I'm going to want him back in again saying that I mean um, I really I really really want him but just the way the kind of wild card is setting up as well you know he could possibly possibly be you know one of the ones you know that yeah, have to take taken down I just think with with him Bermot 5.5 you know I, I can bring him in you know that kind of you know will soften the blow a bit but yeah, it's, it's a tough one. I, re- I really love Tony and I, lo- I love Benford as well. Yeah, and, uh, I do as well. But I just think Embremo is getting in those positions and of making it. He's not going to, I don't think he'll score as many points as Tony, but I don't think it'll be as far off, especially given the fact that he's a midfielder at the moment. I mean, next year, he's going to be a, assuming Brentford stay up, like Tony will be a 7.5 billion striker and Embremo will be a 7 million, 6.5 million striker. And that'll be the way it goes this year. We've got that kind of opportunity to exploit, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of those kind of cheap enablers, I, I mean, um, if there is a space to take Tony down for you, we're into enabler territory. It is the end of Dennis, probably. What with no great shakes, maybe Ranieri will, you know, see something in Dennis that he really liked. Um, but is this the start of the Huang wagon? Um, so there's very limited data on him, except to say he's brilliant on Football Manager. <laughs> um, it's got limited <laughs> minutes for uh, Leipzig and the Bundesliga. But in 2019-20, he had a ridiculous 1.32 goal involvements per 90, but it is the Austrian Premier League, of course. A decent average for shots and targets per 90 as well. But what's really interesting is FB Ref throws up kind of similar players 
to the kind of player he is, just to give you a grounding in the kind of guy that you're expected to be mm-hmm. signing. And Daniel James and Richarlison uh, were two recognisable names um, that he had a similar profile to. And I think from looking at the data and what I know football manager regardless of how useful that is or not. Uh, Richarlison, I think, is probably the closest to how Huang is as a player, uh, playing off the wing, cutting inside and inside forward to put manager parlance. Um, but it's priced in, Anthony, isn't it? 5.5. You know, I love you love me saying that. Um, but he could be very decent if Dennis isn't fancied by Ranieri at 5.5. But I mean, for me, I'm looking at going for a 3.52 or a 4.42. So I think that kind of as I move forward, the forward category will become less and less valuable. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at kind of just kind of having Dennis just sat there as being kind of second sub, third sub going forward. But I mean, in the enabler slots, is there anyone else catching your eye or is it all about the Huang wagon? Huang, I think, is the one that I'd be looking at um, primarily. And that's not just because, OK, he's got three goals and two of those came in game week seven against Newcastle, which would obviously give you confidence. Um, but what I quite like about him is that he seems to be a bit more clinical than the likes of Trincao, than the likes of Traore, but he still yeah. gets to benefit from the like the creative phenom, to be perfectly honest with you, that is around Jimenez. That's what actually makes me interested in him. It's like Jimenez feels like a little bit of a jump, like he's, he's returned well. It's great to see it. I'm delighted to see him having a few um, good game weeks now, um, given what he's been through. But at 7.5, he's a bit of a stretch, um, given just how profligate Wolves have been. Whereas Huang is a good entrant into that Wolves attack for cheap. Obviously, you wouldn't expect to be playing him every week. But he will, just yeah. that, Wolves, that Wolves team have proven themselves quite adept at setting up chances against pretty much anybody. And it just seems like Jimenez, in spite of his good goal-scoring track record pre his injury, his most important function right now from an FPL perspective, as far as I'm concerned, is his creativity. And like that's what we saw feeding Huang at the weekend, obviously twice quite successfully. But that wasn't the only time that Huang was fed by him. And as it wasn't even the only time that Huang was fed by others as well. And I think that's what um, makes me quite confident that he is quite a decent enabler pick. I'm not going to tell you he's going to take over the world. I don't even think he's going to necessarily outscore him as this season. But in terms of like value for the price that you're paying, that's pretty good, I think. And with four good fixtures for Wolves to come um, for people who are wildcarding, I think he's as good a pick as anybody. Um, as you say, like Dennis, like really, are we, are we? There was that one time that he scored, you know, and it was great. Two times uh, he scored. No, I know he scored. I know he scored twice, but there was the one time that people had bought him and he scored, and it was a great moment. And uh, you cheered, and it's passed now. And like, I just don't think that like Josh King or another Josh Sargent or any of the rest of them are going to interest me enough. And Frank is as good an option as any. And it's just like, it's good not to waste that slot either. You know, that third striker slot could be useful. It's more useful as far as I'm concerned than the fifth midfielder slot. Uh, sorry, Alan. And so with that in mind, I think it's, there's no point just throwing it to the walls with some 4.5er. Yeah, but is, is it better than having a fourth defender slot? I'm not entirely sure. All right, so... Who are our top transfer targets? We've spoken about um, this to a lot and we're kind of bringing this conversation to an end. So let's kind of just zone in on three certain picks. Obviously, not being obvious, so by Salah is pretty clear. If, if Trent was fit, we'd say by Trent. Um, but I guess a defence midfield and forward picks, um, let's leave the goalkeepers be. Um, for me, I think in defence, it would be Asquilicueta. Uh, for me, in midfield, it would be Rafinha. And up front, it would be Lukaku. 
boring, but I think probably fairly effective. Abdul, on your wild card, if you had three uh, players that you were in those positions looking to buy in, who would the first name on your team sheet be? Would it be the same as mine? For me, it'd be Cancelo in uh, defence. I would say in midfield, oh, that's a tough one. I, I say Rafina in midfield with the top transfer target. And then, yep. um, yeah, up front, Lukaku. It's only Cancelo for me, it's different from you. Two out of three. I'm guessing it's probably the same for you, Anthony, as well, given the state of the game in the moment. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to go wild and come up with some different three. But no, I think it's actually it's Cancelo for me ahead of Aspiriqueta. And then I think Rafinha is, good, is the you know that strong second pick in the midfield. I do think that he will be outscored by somebody. I just don't know who that is. You know, there's yeah. very there's that mythical set of genuinely the words I was about to utter. The likes of Ferran Torres, Phil Foden, uh, etc. could well outscore him. The problem is that they, they might get one point as well in the next five game weeks. Uh, and that's genuinely, that doesn't even feel like an exaggeration. And so with that in mind, it's just like, okay, Rafinha, and then you move on to the forward line. And I think I too would be looking at Lukaku. Although looking at enablers, I do feel like Huang is as good a pick as any kind of in between is quite hard to identify and, and that's kind of I think where there might be a little bit of joy to be got Um, because I don't think Antonio is the auto pick that he once was I feel like it's EO Aye. is what's scaring most of us into getting him at this point and so I kind of feel like that you know the the 7.0-ish or 6.8-ish let's say to uh, 8 to 8.5-ish million I think there's going to be some really serious value there like the for example, just to throw somebody out there, Ollie Watkins, who obviously has you know a decent enough fixture run coming up, can has proven himself to be more than adept at doing well uh, in the Premier yeah. League last season. Obviously, 14 goals, nine assists. It should have been a 200 point season last year. You said in the price could, could easily have been a 200 point season, as we said. Um, just a few kind of hairs breadth off sides calls away, and just a few, little bit of luck away from getting there. And Villa seemed to be kind of steadying the ship. There's a reason why so many of us were keen to have him in our game week one team for injury struggle. And uh, I think he may be starting to show that he obviously got a goal at the weekend. Fair enough. Well, obviously we've all come up with fairly similar kind of outputs, but hopefully in there, um, a lot of interesting discussion surrounding different price points and surrounding different options within those price points. Hopefully useful to you. And so if you're wildcarding or just looking to make those transition transfers ahead of going forward into game week eight. All right, let's take a break there. Move on to the correspondence and the questions just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and we're on to the correspondence this week, as Anthony mentioned earlier on. We're a bit, bit light on we going forward. Yeah, we are actually quite light in correspondence. Whilst we got loads of emails a good few weeks ago to who got the assist at gmail.com, that kind of tends to mean we don't be uh, we don't plead as much for emails and then the emails don't come. So we're back at the point where we're pleading again. So if you have any questions, thoughts, addendums to previous pods, poems, songs, whatever it might be who got the assist at gmail.com for future correspondence segments. But for now, we do have an email and it comes from another person named Anthony, Anthony and Go. And he emailed in as follows. Hey guys, I've been listening to the pod for about two years now and really enjoy the content. I'm planning to use my wildcard in game week eight. And I may be looking at bench boosting in game week nine or game week 11. I know the common practice is to save the bench boost for later in the season or to try to get 14, 15 players with a double game week. But that never seems to be worth the trouble. There's rotation risk and you always end up weakening your starting 11 just to get a decent third bench player. There are a lot of options in the cheaper bracket of their respective positions right now. The likes of Arsenal, Leeds, Wolves, Palace, Brentford, Southampton, all have good fixtures in game week 9 and game week 11. A lot of people are using their wildcard in game week 7 or 8 and it seems like something worth considering. Thanks, Anthony. 
so I think it's a pretty interesting question as opposed to us really. And it's uh, an Abdul, I guess it, it really focuses on you because you're one of the, you're the wild card here. Maybe we do find ourselves forcing bench boost later in the season. So is it worth just going for it, setting your team up, knowing what's kind of coming right now, feeling like rotation won't be as big of a scourge upon your team because we're not in that late season where things get a bit unpredictable and where you might be able to benefit? Would you consider it at all? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not one of those managers who think that, you know, the, the double game week with the bench push is the only way to go. And Anthony's, you know, spot on about, you know, the, the fixtures and the enablers that, you know, that, that are presenting this week and, you know, for, for game week nine. So I, I would say if he has, a, you know, a solid plan, you know, wildcard in, you know, for the long term, but at the same time can get a good bench out for, for game week nine whenever he's thinking of doing it and, and bench boosting, then yeah. But at the same time, I, I do think... Um, you know, using the bench boost and the wild card and the double game meets can hinder you as well. And having it out of the way just kind of, you know, focuses your mind on just, um, you know, the kind of the long strategy rather than, you know, saving up and, um, until the bench boost. So, yeah, he's, if he's looked at the fixtures and he's, you know, he's, he's studied it well and, you know, he can come out with the bench boost, you know, with, uh, you know, by, by not kind of uh, spending his funds, you know, too far over the squad and, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, like a, a weaker starting this, 11 then yeah this, this is the thing isn't it though it's like if you look at the you know the enablers and just think about your wildcard team for a second you know Arsenal you've got two Arsenal players on your side Leeds you've got one Wolves you've got I think it's am I correct in saying zero right now uh, yeah yeah but it could easily be one Brentford you've got two Palace you've got none and Southampton you've got just the one right now but you know it's like that gives you a good idea what a bench could look like um and you know, for you it's Rams, ramsdale is kind of one of those in the goalkeeper slot as well and there's there are kind of compelling pickups you could have there for that second goalkeeper slot in your side these aren't game weeks either where the elite teams have tough fixtures there is a united liverpool in game week nine in there and there is a manchester derby in game week 11 but i kind of feel like everyone's going to be as affected by those particular fixtures so it is a, a week where your bench could really give you some solid green arrows. And I think you could also, as you say, avoid that headache later in the season. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea at all. As I say, I mean, as long as you've got a plan in place, uh, you know, you've got, you've, got, you've got to figure it out for the kind of long term, because obviously when you use the wild card, you need to be careful you're not just planning for the next few game weeks yeah. before you bench boost, especially when it's not a double game week. I agree. I can see where Anthony's coming from. Anthony, Anthony, I'm not too sure how you pronounce it, but uh, I mean, much for much really, isn't it? <laughs> he's, he's, got the, he's got the H, and I'm very strong about making sure that it's Anthony. If there's no, it's, it's there, an so. H rather than the H, but let's move on from there. Um, I mean, uh, <laughs> there's a recent disappointment, I suppose, uh, with bench boosts, which has overshadowed how we now reflect on them. We're a little bit removed, aren't we, from the 2016-2017 amazing game week that we all kind of hark back to about how the chips can really smash when we all got triple-digit hauls. You know, we're all looking at you know, heading towards a double ton. Um, but you know, last year, for example, the Shrewsbury incident, um, which removed the triple leads bench, um, still gives me nightmares. But we're all set up for that. We're all set up for that Leeds versus Southampton game appearing in double game week and didn't quite work out. And then we all had to move around the last minute and it was it was really difficult. With COVID still stalking us um, and with the emphasis still on expected minutes, it kind of, as Abdul says, makes sense if you've got a plan to go that way. Uh, the fact is, I think it's becoming harder and harder to isolate exactly when we're all going to have our starters playing two games if we're going for double game week kind of model. 
So I can see why if you've got a brilliant and relatively affordable team early on post wildcard as opposed to later, we need to compromise a little bit. So you're always going to have a single game week or two later on. Making that do the business for you is definitely worth it. Over planning, as Abdul said, can hinder you for sure. However, um, you can use the same reasoning um, surrounding why having two bites of the char- cherry is a good thing. Um, so if expected minutes is the best metric, then surely having double the chance you will play a take in the field is a better thing. Um, not to mention that you'll probably need a backup goalkeeper then with a waste of 4.5 in your team, perhaps, although there's, there is Foster right now who could fill that role going forward. Um, I still think that you know, logistically... I can see why we go for later bench boosts um, just because you can do that wild card the week before or a couple of weeks before and plan that around. And it's a lot more sort of set in stone. Um, but I guess right now you, there's a lot more sort of predictability about lineups um, outside of the usual stuff surrounding COVID or um, you know, general uh, rotation. Um, and I guess you can see the march on competitors now versus later on um, in the murky waters of later in the campaign but it is um, definitely a, a chip where I've certainly seen people say you know I'm glad to get out of the way uh, similar to, to wildcard because it is a huge impediment on your planning isn't it Abdul it's one of those where your transfers are all centered around a one week sort of boost where you're hoping everything goes right so it might be nice to not have that sort of uh, thing hanging over you and just basically get out of the way and do it so i can completely can see uh, where anthony's coming from there i don't think there's enough evidence you know to state that you know what one way is is better than the other because when when you're planning yeah. for that bench boost um you know the only way to really tell is if you kind of you know manually you know, work out which transfers you would have made if you weren't going to go that way, et cetera, et cetera. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and the, and the chips have only been around for, about well, I think it was at four seasons now. Um, Something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's still early days in, in kind of determining which is the actual optimal way to play it. Yeah, maybe to bring us off onto the end of this particular segment, I would say if I was to pick up the two, I would probably look to Game Week 11, purely because Brentford are home to Norwich. You'd feel like that could be a good game for your one or two Brentford players, either attacking or defensive. You could even triple up on them, uh, given that particular fixture. Uh, Palace play Wolves, which I kind of feel like could be a good fixture for assets on either side of that fixture. And it's just like if, you've, if you're gambling on you know someone from either side, I feel like you might get some success. Brighton face Newcastle. I feel like it's defensively, especially you'd have a Brighton player and uh, there could be something out of that. Arsenal are at home to Watford. That again could prove fruitful. And Leeds play Leicester. Probably the Leeds, the Leeds attacking player you'll have. Leicester haven't been great defensively, but uh, someone like Rafinha could mop up against them. So I just feel like there's some pretty good chances there. And it actually doesn't seem like a bad idea to me to use that bench boost now, to be perfectly honest with you, especially if you're wildcarding into it. Anyway, thanks so much to Anthony for emailing in to whogottheassist.gmail.com. Uh, correspondence, please send it in. We would appreciate whatever you might have. Questions, thoughts, uh, addendums, songs, poetry, all of the rest. Please get it in. Whogottheassist at gmail.com. Yep, definitely do. Um, right, let's move on to listen to questions. A bit of a truncated this week, just because we've had a lot to speak about in the main section. Um, but the first thing is all about the Pep Roulette. So we foreshadowed this actually a few weeks back. Uh, Sean McColl in the correspondence um, asked us about how we're going to be dealing with the Pep Roulette this year. Three episodes ago now. Um, but there's so many questions on the Pep Roulette. 
Danny, uh, Stevie Dalgleish and Storin of FPL all ask questions about various aspects uh, from Cancelo to Stevie, uh, Gabriel Jesus to Storin of and Danny asked about all the attackers. Where are we going with those? And Benny Blanco piped up to ask um, a question in DM about Edison. Uh, We've already covered him, of course. And basically if a double, even triple up on City defence is worth it. And I was speaking to Nick Maynard as well before we came on, um, who asked me basically about KDB as well. Um, so how are we going to navigate this? I mean, Abdul um, taking uh, you know, one aspect of this, uh, the Benny Blanco question first um, in terms of those sort of um, defensive double-ups. I and mean, you you got two of them. I mean, with Cancelo, with Diaz, it's all about upside, isn't it? And if both of those play zero out of two potential is fairly low isn't it and I guess that's kind of where you're going just trying to hope that those players who are the most nailed in the pep system are going to be giving you dividends over a decent set of fixtures yeah uh, again I think we've been touching this earlier with the premium goalkeeper I just you know don't see it kind of um, being value I mean I think Edison probably is the best premium goalkeeper but you know going Edison over over Diaz I don't think it's going to be worth it over the long run yeah, maybe bringing us on. I feel like we've um, we've talked an awful lot about that city defense and stuff. So maybe Benny's question has been dealt with between you just there and earlier in the pod. So looking maybe to those midfield questions, um, it's really bloody hard to pick a city attacker. Um, it's just as simple as that. And so like, whilst yeah. you might be tempted by Grealish, who does continue to get in good positions, has to reach the sixty-minute mark in every game so far. And if you look at X. G per minute, then Fran Torres is right up there. The problem is, is that we've now gone three weeks without him making an appearance, uh, yeah. which I think typifies just how difficult Pep Roulette is. I, I, I said it last week, I think they need to play him. Um, but yeah. uh, they didn't do it this week. Will they play him uh, against weaker sides? Uh, I've seen some people saying, oh, it's, it's actually against weaker teams is where City actually do play um, this, you know, false nine striker setup thing where Torres gets a chance. Great, uh, if, they, if he does. So with that in mind, Tars will be attempting to pick, but I, I really can't recommend Tars when he hasn't played for three weeks in a row, much as I might want to. And then looking at the rest, I think it's a bit of a crapshoot um, in terms of trying to pick one of them, and especially when you look at De Bruyne. It's just too much. It's just too much. Yeah, um, it's just too there's far too many other options out there. I think you'd be far better off yeah, you'd be far, you'd be far better off going for someone like Son if you wanted to kind of extend off into the near premium bracket, but you know still save yourself about two million along the way. I still think having the double in this period is going to be worth doing. Um, I, mean, I yeah, Torres has stayed in my team. I did not sell him. It wasn't just Am. You called me rash. I think it was just that I kind of. It would be so rash to sell him now. <laughs> I had um, Dennis backing me up in that time frame. Um, and I spoke to my friend Karam Tizer about this, and he said, "But you know, the next three games are the games where City are likely to play number nine as centre forward. So I, I'm fine there with Torres at six point nine. Is he going to play against Burnley? Well, that's what I'm hoping for. If it doesn't happen, am I in the mud? Yes, I yes I am. So I'm probably going to have to get rid of him then. And he's kind of think, you know what? All right, I've I, I've definitely given that." sense of patience with him something said he's not played the last two games but fair enough I mean those are not games I wanted him for um, I've also bought Concello 
already. Um, just because I, I caught the rise on him, maybe a lot of people have. Um, he's um, definitely been performing fairly well. We spoke about earlier on uh, Portugal play Qatar and Ireland's conquerors Luxembourg in the international break. So I'm hoping um, that that will be okay and there won't be you know, any adverse effects. Um, but the reality is it's all about risk appetite as always. I can see why it's interesting these players and that's three games up worth buying into really if you're looking at Man City even from an FPL point of view um, in terms of Burnley Bryson and Crystal Palace like Burnley regularly every season donate three points to Man City at home Uh, the Bryson game could be difficult you know the the, the unstoppable force meets the unstoppable force and uh, Crystal Palace at home in game week 10 uh, but nonetheless, um, I think that it definitely going with the fixtures is worth doing. Kevin De Bruyne is a little bit too expensive. Um, Jesus, I think we answered the question about um, uh, from FPL Claret on him a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, Anthony? And said, hmm, I'm not too sure about that. Um, but he's had the most pen box entries only four. He's been doing okay uh, recently, obviously with the goal a couple of weeks ago against Chelsea, with the deciding goal. Um, and um, you know, for the price, he could be worth mentioning. Is, is it worth using a transfer on a City attacker this week? Um, I know, Abdul, you're on wildcards and you've eschewed them, but is that one where if you weren't a wildcard, you'd be looking to do, or would you be focusing your transfers like I have? I've bought in Cancelo for uh, Brandon Williams, spoiler for in a minute. Um, would that be your main focus this week? Yeah, I think the defence definitely be the main focus, but I mean, um, I, mean I, I wouldn't be kind of, you know, opposed to a move for like Grealish or, or Foden. Um, you know, I think they're potentially good options. J- just actually going back to, sorry, to Benny's question, um, I just noticed he he's asked, you know, whether considering Ederson along with Diaz and Cancelo, whereas of which I thought he said, um, you know, Ederson, you know, Ederson and one of them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely wouldn't go for a triple up in, def- uh, in defence just because, you know, as I just mentioned with, with Grealish and Foden, if they become options which they could well, you know, could well do, you know, with, with the fixtures they've got coming up then you're, um, you know, then you're kind of left stranded a bit. But um, yeah, in terms of City, City attackers um, I think um, Foden and, and Grealish are, are up there for me and yeah, again, yeah. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing in them two guys in. Oh, Fran Torres, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, I'm sure. Uh, (laughs) 6.9 6.9 come on if he's number 9 for the next 3 games that's going to be great differential by mistake as I used to call it All right. next questions Um, actually no we've answered these already Um, FPL Vanarama Ryan FPL about Vardy party and also about Son yeah fine done Um, the final question yeah keeping it short this week um, but uh, quite a meaty one actually um, is freemium rip um, so we spoke about the freemiums, we covered duomium, the union. Um, is that going to be where we go moving forward? So Johnny Forwards, a friend of the pods, spoken to him for many years now, um, wrote in and said, one mainly for FPL Stag, who's on the freemium strategy, comme moi, um, how long is he going to give it? I'm looking for one more week before I bin Ronaldo slash Lukaku and spread the wealth. And uh, at Crouch Ender um, said, quick question for the pod, Goodbye, freemium. Hello, um, union. <laughs> is the permacapsing Salah ditching the pricey forwards and hoovering up premium defenders a legitimate approach? Or is that recency bias in spades, given the fact that, you know, Ronaldo, Lukaku, and Salah had that one week where everything went off, everything was hunky dory uh, for the freemium, but only really Salah is kept up? 
in the uh-huh. recent period. And Anthony, it's all directed at you. What's your views? This is really difficult um, because it kind of goes to the heart of my own side right now and everything that I'm kind of questioning about my own side. Maybe first dealing with uh, Acrokender's question, which was kind of, you know, possibly goodbye, Tremium, and possible... Crouchender. It's Crouchender in London, I think, is what he's referring to. Ah, a Crouchender. Understood. Right. A Crouchender. Coming to his question first, he's asking about goodbye, Tremium, and hello, potentially a Unium. Is it recency bias in spades? I don't think so. Um, Purely because the fact of the matter is that what we've been saying consistently and has proven true so far this season is that the City defence and the Chelsea defence offer you a clean sheet every second game. And right now we have found that the premium strikers are barely, if even, matching them in terms of point on a points per game basis, or certainly in terms of the um, how much more they they cost. They're definitely, you know, on a value basis, um, justifying. Um, they're placed more than the premium strikers are. Uh, especially Lukaku, now he's gone through the hard fixtures, the good run is coming. So with that in mind, I don't think it's worth getting rid of him now. Like I don't think, certainly going down to a union seems a really rash thing to do, um, given what Chelsea have coming up ahead of them. Salah, of course, yeah. And then I totally understand why people are considering selling Ronaldo. United's fixture run is over. I too, moving to John Forward's question, will be considering getting rid of my premium after the coming game week. I would fancy Ronaldo uh, after the international break if he's managed to survive playing against Luxembourg, who are uh, a titan, a titan of world football. If he manages to get through that particular game, um, all okay. I suspect he'll be in fine fettle to play Leicester away. Leicester haven't been great defensively, and I would fancy him to just be inevitable and find a way to score. Post international break, there always tends to be a few surprises with selections and injuries and things, and this just kind of not necessarily moving him on that week. Just kind of, it's a, it's a good, but it's Ronaldo safe bet that he's in my side. He'll probably do okay, and uh, it kind of ties me over for another week. But I would be, as a matter of urgency, seeking to get into the city defence, something which I haven't been in right now because of the premium for that Burnley game. And a bit like Tom, it's Cancelo's the one, and this is what we've been discussing. Cancelo's probably the one that I'd be looking to get in, but I might end up being forced to go for a cheaper option and taking a hit in order to facilitate it. Before that, it'd be Ben Rama, who'd be likely the one that I'd be selling to do that. So overall, the Tremium, I think it's really, really at risk. Uh, if they ha- if the Tremium has a really, really good game week in game week eight, watch me flick to the other side of this argument again. But uh, as it stands right now, I think the time is coming to uh, ditch the Thremium, go back to the Duomium and um, be ready to potentially run back to the Thremium when Ronaldo inevitably starts to fire again uh, at some point in the season. United States yeah. really turn around in game week 15, for example. We've been banging on about this for a while, haven't we, in terms of the uh, aggressive premium strategy and you're completely right. As I said last week, it's completely valid to solve Ronaldo. I would say that because I've solved Ronaldo. Um, but I think it probably is valid to solve Ronaldo and this week or maybe next week because he does face Liverpool, Man City and Chelsea um, in the next uh, five game weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Abdul, obviously you've gone with Lukaku, you've gone with Salah. You can't go without Salah because he's in your app. 
I mean, I remember there was one year you did sell him. You you brought in Marnie, didn't you? <laughs> and it was it was definitely a problem from some members of the FPL community, i.e. me. Um, but I mean, you, you can't go about him, can you? So, um, I mean, it's definitely all about the duomium, whatever it is for you. Do you have a plan to bring in Ronaldo eventually, or is that kind of a future Abdul is going to be dealing with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm, I mean, if you're just kind of looking at it now, I think game week fourteen onwards, it's probably you know when you'd when you look to bring Ronaldo back in. Looking at his performances over, you know, these tough fixtures is gonna, you know, kind of tell us a lot about, you know, what he's really kind of made of at the moment. Uh, you know, whether um, you know he's gonna be worth it over Lukaku, um, you know. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think at the moment, I mean, if if you were to ask me, I'd, I'd probably say I wouldn't be getting him back in fourteen. But I mean, if he if he scores well over, you know, like this, you know, like the, the tough fixture run, then yeah, he could well be coming back in in, in game week fourteen. No, definitely. I think that's probably the time to do it. But it definitely sounds like Salah plus one of the um, Ronkaku duo um, at the moment it is Lukaku as a way of going forward. And it's really interesting to hear that you've decided to... Well, you're not sure what you're going to do going forward, Lee Anthony. And I guess we can move forward now into captains and transfers. And we'll get on to you in a second, Anthony. But obviously, Abdul, at this point, the team that you mentioned earlier on is as how it is. And I guess that you're looking at kind of Trent's fitness being the key. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's all about Trent. I mean, if, it, if he's out for Watford, then, you know, I, I can, as I said, I can wait until game week 10 or even possibly game week 30 to bring him back in. And, uh, you know, I can capitalise on, on City's, you know, fixtures and, you know, on, and Sun's good fixtures as well. So, yeah, um, this is at the moment, but, yeah, if Trent does end up being fit, then um, I think it'd have to be goodbye to to Son. And um, I think this week, without a doubt, uh, the captains can you know whatever happens, the captaincy is going to be on on Mo Salah. Do you think this is one of those seasons that like, he looks proper up for it, doesn't he? I mean, he basically said at the start of the season, yeah, you you should probably have in your team. I'll definitely score for you. And given how it's gone this year. Um, I mean, he, I'm not sure it's going to be a three-three, but at the end of the t- end of the day, last f- four seasons he's done ridiculously well. I mean, this last couple of seasons he's going to only kind of hit the two thirties. Do you think this year is the season? Afcon may end up impeding that as well. But are we in a keep calm and captain Salah sort of environment? Do you think? I mean, he's looking that way. He seems like he's on a, on a different level. I mean, he's. I think he. I seen a, a post by um, by Andrew Gower on Twitter saying that he the amount of points he's got now is the quickest seventy, and that's the quickest he's he's reached seventy points. You know, um, since he's been in the Premier League, so uh, you know even quicker than you know his thirty goal uh, season in two thousand seventeen eighteen. So mm-hmm. it could well be. I mean, at the moment he's he's going to be my my Premier captain um, going forward. So. Yeah, maybe you give us maybe give us Lukaku versus Norwich um, in game week nine. But it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. I, I really like this team, um, and we'll see obviously how it changes going forward. But I really like it. As I mentioned earlier on, maybe swap swap Basuma for Douglas Luiz uh, or you know, Alan if you've um, mm-hmm. listened to Andy. Yeah, yeah, clearly, I clearly didn't do enough research. <laughs> 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 All right, let's move on to uh, Mr. Anthony. Um, how is your team looking? Oh, like it, it just depends how I feel about the premium on a given day. But uh, right now, looking at the fixtures, it, the team is quite well sorted. So I'd have Sanchez and Gold Norwich away. That's fine. I'm surviving with that one goalkeeper setup still. 
my backline at the moment has Rudiger with Brentford away, Cody with Villa away, White with Palace at home, Livermento with Leeds at home. Now, I'd like to add a City defender to this. If I'm to get a City defender in, I'm going to need to finance it with a move out of midfield, and I'm going to have to take a hit in the process as well. It would be Ben Rama who would make place. He's currently on my bench, uh, along with Alan. Uh, the, the three midfielders that are starting are Rafinha, Salah, who is captain, and Saka, who has Palace at home. Then I have uh, three strikers up front, obviously, uh, to complete the 4-3-3. That is the Ronaldo, Lukaku, and Antonio setup right now. Who would move if I was to try and move up to a city defender? <laughs> Maybe it depends on if something happens in the international break. Um, but I'd be very tempted to just move on Ailing, to be honest. Um, he's yeah. about the same cost as all the re- basically all the rest of my defenders. And he's been the one who's kind of proven to be a dead weight since I got him. So he'd be the one who I'd be looking to upgrade up. Then Rama go down and I might end up joining the Embuemo party just after it has begun. Uh, because he's just a very cheap enabler in that uh, midfield. I I really do feel like I'm weakening my squad in so many different ways to enable this premium, and it's it's starting to drive me nuts now that it isn't kind of performing as I would have hoped it would. I kind of need two out of the three of them to fire every week, and every week that only one of them does, and I don't happen to captain that one, uh, I, I, feel, I just really feel like I'm getting burnt. And I do feel like yeah. we are moving towards a point where, as you've just been discussing with Abdul, we're moving towards a, a perma-captain Salah world. Um, even in game week nine, to be perfectly honest with you, away to Man United, like, <laughs> United, oh, United at Old Trafford. It's quite tough to do, isn't it? I know, yeah, but you do, yeah, it is quite, it is quite tough yeah, to do. Yeah, but the but fact yeah. of the matter is, I mean, is that, This you week, know, you can't run out of Salah versus uh, Man City. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was about to say, is that, yeah, we've just had Salah versus Man City and we've seen what he can do. Um, we've also seen that United's defence are in disarray. They seem to be particularly poor at home. So all of these kind of factors kind of seem to pushed towards the fact that Salah um, being captain in the particular game, it doesn't even seem mad. So perma-captain, may, it may well be. Uh, but I do think, as I was saying in the listener questions, I think the premium survives another week unless some sort of injury means that I feel the need to move on. Fair play. All right. Um, so I've already made a transfer. I've already sold Brandon Williams uh, for Jao Cancelo. Um, a like-for-like transfer. No, a fairly decent um, upgrade, I think, there. Um, so in goal, I've got Jed Steer this week. And uh, luckily, I'm hoping that um, I've got him or Guaita. Who knows? Who goalkeeper god I hate it I hate greater I hate steer which I just on um, uh, Edison uh, last week as I mentioned but whatever it is uh, at the back I've got I'm hoping that Trent plays but if not I get Cody off the bench away at Aston Villa um, and Christensen that's pretty quieter as the um, two Chelsea defenders so the Chelsea double from the back Cancelo win in midfield. I've got Rafinha, uh, Ben Rama. Oh, I think it might be uh, one of those. I'm looking at Ben Rama a lot over the next kind of four week block and thinking, oh, is this the time I get rid of Ben Rama? Probably might be. Salah, obvious captain. And Ferran Torres, differential by mistake. Antonio and Lukaku and Dennis and Mbwemo. Basically on the bench, acting as a hashtag deep bench pick. Um, but let's see how it goes over the national break. I'm hoping that I can do something with all of this. I probably am going to kind of subscribe to Abdul's idea of Alexander Arnold being a bit of a glue pick. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be selling him because I think that I'm going to basically have a hanging over me. Unless there's a, a proper long term, you know, three or four week absence where I can do with that money I'm going to kind of view him as a sunk cost and leave him there move it all around him I've got Mbwemo I've got Cody who can 
both do a job around him. So let's kind of see how that goes. But I mean, I'm fairly happy with it. Apart from a goalkeeper, I hate Guaitar. God, why did I do that? Anthony, you should have told me to just buy Sanchez. I what you did. I should have done something else. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, and um, I'm, I like, I like the team going forward in the four-four-two, effectively. Right, I think that probably is all of the pod this week, isn't it, Anthony? Yeah, it is. Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We were who got the assist. We would really appreciate if you could leave a five-star review if you've liked what you heard tonight or in many of the other pods that we've done this season and before. If you'd like to watch this pod rather than listen to this pod, you can go onto YouTube and find us there. Just search WGTA or who got the assist for that matter and you will find us. And there's a few hundred people now watching every week and that's lovely. It's a slightly unedited, or it's a, it is an unedited version. There's no slightly about it. Um, but, uh, that, yeah, but that allows you to see how human we really are because it's such a surprise it is to you <laughs> with our unbelievable returns week in, week out. Correspondence, by the way, who got the assist at gmail.com if you want to send that through. If you want to join our mini league, 2IP43T. Thanks so much, Abdul, for joining us. FPL underscore Salah on Twitter. It was great to have you. It was good to be here, guys. Thanks. Cheers, guys. Thanks, Abdul. Uh, really <laughs> good to have you on. Uh, we hope to see you thinking about your future transfer targets. Hopefully, everyone wildcarding has an amazing, amazing game with Kate. And those who aren't wildcarding have an even better game with Kate. Sorry, Abdul. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, really good to um, be on again. Um, be back after game with Kate to discuss hopefully not the wreckage of that. Hopefully we'll all have done really, really well back on target. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, host of Stu, have a really nice international break. We you very, very soon. Goodbye. As- Azerbaijan away and Qatar at home in a friendly. It's so sweet, isn't it? I love IBs. Good time to end. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.